0: Power Kids is a great ministry. We invite you to be a part of it. You know, I, when I was a young, uh, I think a 22-year-old sailor, and when I first arrived here in Charleston a long time ago, I, uh, I, I wanted to get involved in ministry. I wanted to do something. And so I was just a single guy, so I joined the Power Kids ministry up at Northwoods Church that they had at the time, and I was the four- and five-year-old boys' mentor. And I got to admit, most of that was just playing dodgeball. But I'll tell you what, uh, two of the guys, young boys, four or five year old boys that were in my Dodgeball Power Kids ministry are now the pastors of Seacoast Church. So, uh, yeah, that's right. I started Seacoast Church. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it all came down, I'm having a Michael Scott moment. Yeah, it all came down to me playing dodgeball with these kids. You know, but really, it's. It's not hard to be involved in the life of of young kids and to minister to them in in different ways, whether it's dodgeball or teaching the gospel. So let me encourage you. It's one of the ways that we're going to impact this generation is to meet them right now as young kids and begin to pour love into them. But uh, Suzanne is with me today, and we're talking about some of the other ways that we're going to affect families, affect children um, in this community and how we can do it as a church.
1: Yeah, so September is um, the month that we are going to come alongside the Ronald McDonald House. And I'm sure most of you know what that is, but it's a 32-bed um, facility that houses families who have children uh, facing life-limiting life illnesses who are getting treatment over at MUSC. And so one way um, that we're going to do that is we are going to participate in their Meals That Heal. So they feed about 60 people every night, and we have volunteered for three nights in September where we will have groups of 10 people um, get all the stuff, go down there together, and serve and make them a nice, warm meal. Um, The additional things that we can do for them are make meals-to-go kits, so non-perishable items. I have all this information in the back about what you can pack for them. As well as welcome bags, so when they arrive um, their first night, they have a little um, welcoming thing, you know, toys for the kids that are with them as well. And I will be collecting those every Sunday, or you can drop them off if you get in touch with me. Anytime that's convenient for you, I can meet and pick them up, and then I will take them at the end of the month and deliver all of those things. Um, so that's really exciting opportunity to come alongside these families at a very vulnerable time and just share the love of Christ with them.
0: Wow. And let me just say, I think some people are sitting here, and you just heard, we're feeding 60 people. And so I think some of you folks are thinking, wow, that's a lot of people for me to feed. That's not not how it works. It's going to be really easy. We can accomplish it together. Suzanne's got it all broken down so that you can take your little part uh, and make a significant impact in people's lives who are in a time of pain, anxiety, and a real definite time of need. But we also got some other way we can be involved.
1: Yeah, so this is also really exciting. I'm very excited that we are partnering with a new nonprofit here in Charleston called Teacher Love Project. And their goal is to come alongside the teachers in our schools here in the Lowcountry and just provide them some encouragement, some support. Um, it kind of goes along with when we have missionaries, we send them letters. We send them things to encourage them and keep their heart on mission. And that's exactly what we're doing. Our teachers are on the mission field here in our schools in the Low Country, And so we need people who are willing to come alongside them and be what we call teacher champions. It's not a huge time commitment. It is one-on-one. And what that means is you send them encouraging texts. You send them a card if you want to drop them off some candy. I can deliver that each week um, it's not that you have to buy them things all year it's just about really being there as an encouragement, letting them know that they have somebody who's praying them through the school year yeah, and
0: let me just say that these teachers are have uh, talked to this outreach mission and said, we want somebody to come alongside of us. So it's not like we're pairing you up with somebody that doesn't want it and you got to talk them into this Jesus idea. These are people that realize that they're on mission in schools and they need somebody to encourage them in Christ and they're asking for us to come alongside and be a part of that. Um, So, you know, that's a really powerful thing.
1: Absolutely, 100% elected, and they know we love Jesus, and we just want to love on them with Jesus. So. Wow,
0: that's fantastic. Uh, thank you so much, Suzanne. Yeah. Folks, so just go to our missional information booth in the back. You'll see Suzanne there. She'll help you be a part of it. I don't know if you've caught the theme yet, but um, children, families, teachers, influencers, that's how we're going to make a difference. There's nobody that you're going to elect that is going to make the difference that you and I can make by personally getting involved at the grassroots level and making an impact when teachers, in children, in families, in individuals' lives. So we encourage you to be a part of changing our culture. And it starts right here, and it starts right now with Crosstown Church. Um, so we're entering into a new series. Living in Common in an Uncommon Way, and it's, it's going to be a series about relationships. Uh, we're going to be talking about the power of living in common, but in order for us to live in common with each other, we're going to have to do uncommon stuff in order for it to work, uh, whether it's in a church, whether it's in a community, whether it's a couple, whether it's a family, whether it's in a dating relationship, or even if it's in a workplace, we're going to be looking at the principles that God gives us on how can we live in common and, and how do we do this in an uncommon way. I mean, let's face it, we do have a problem with living together. It, I mean, it's one of the major problems we have, not only culturally, but maybe with the person that their shoulder is touching you right now. We have the difficulty of trying to live together as a we, and it shows up in every single relationship. So we want God to bring something uncommon to us that will change this living in common to something uncommon to begin to emerge the power of we. That is it better that we live together? Is it better that we do relationship together? Is it better that we are, our marriages work and that we stay together as families and to experience the power of we? So we, we need to start preparing ourselves for changing the way we think. Maybe you're doing it perfect, but every day of my life in, in my marriage of over 30 years, I'm always presented with a new uncommon way of thinking of how I respond to my wife. As a pastor who's been pastoring now for over you know, 25 years, I, I, every single day God presents me with a new idea on how to do something uncommon in somebody's life in order to make the power of we to work and so that we can experience his grace. So it's, it's really going to require us, whether you're 18 years old and you're dating somebody, whether you're 65 or 70 years old and you've been in a marriage, um, we have going to have to present ourselves to God and say, God, I want you to do something in common. I'm going to need some un- uncommon ideas on how to do life together. So our theme verse that we're going to use, we're going to kind of root ourselves to this throughout the series, is Romans 12:1. and let me read it to you, and then I'll kind of break it out a little bit. The Apostle Paul says, present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by By testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. If I could kind of rephrase that in in the context of what we're talking about, what God is saying is that if we present our lives to God, our our thinking, um, our way of relating, if we take that and we present that to God and we bring it to him, And we no longer use the common way or the cultural way of relating to each other or of doing relationships, how men and women relate and how bosses and employees work or how parents and children interact or how we interact with our neighbor or how we we deal with ethnic diversity. If we no longer go the common way of our culture, but allow God to do something uncommon in us and follow Jesus's uncommon way of relating then our relationships will be transformed into something that is good. And not just our marriage relationship but our community relationship will be transformed. Our schools will be transformed. We as individuals in every relationship that if we're willing to present ourselves to God and say listen God you know if I was a crazy 21 year old um individual, male chauvinist, just you can call me whatever you want, and I sure most of you ladies just had a word that have popped into your mind of exactly what I was at twenty-one. Um, but, you know, I, I thought I knew what a woman wanted. I thought I knew what it took to make it all happen. And every young man who stands before a minister with his bride's hands in his, uh, in his hands and says, I will love you till death do I part, we all think we know what's going to, how we're going to pull this off. But as I've learned and I've grown, I've realized that I needed God to do something uncommon, even inside of me. Something that wasn't common to me. That me just being me wasn't enough. I needed to have an uncommon me experience. I needed God to change my chauvinism, to change my attitude, my pursuits, my thinking about what my spouse would need, what people in my church would need. I needed God to do something uncommon inside of me for my relationships. So today, we're gonna be learning But I think the thing that we need to be thinking about, as you kind of drift in and out of listening to me talk, I know I do it all, I drift in and out of me listen to me talk. But if you would, the thought that I really want you to just kind of have resonant in you right now is the idea of presenting yourself. You know, the idea of presenting your lives, Paul talked about presenting your body, and I know that sounded kind of really sacrificial, and he said as a living sacrifice. But what he's talking about is that presenting the body of work that you are as a person, who you are right now at this moment, what you think, what you think is right, who you think is wrong, how you think you should talk to people, how you should deal with forgiveness and resentment. He says, if you would just take that and present your body of work to me, for change, we really could do something amazing. We really could experience something wonderful, something I love, that like every something good, something perfect, something that is right along with what God intended for every single one of us. So doing life in common, in an uncommon way, is discovering the power and the love that we can do. I mean, there's, there's something about living life in Lee in we. Uh, we're taught about the power of the singularity, the one. I mean, our culture is all around the one, the me. Um, Most of the time when we get involved in the me, I started looking around about the intuitive thinking about taking care of me, looking out for me, that most of the me things that we do are kind of manufactured culturally. Uh, They're not really... They really don't flow from us intuitively or from nature. For instance, comets make impacts and they dazzle the night sky. But only solar systems have the potential to produce life. Now, I'm not, this is not just an abstract idea. This is a scientific fact. Almost all scientists believe that life that would happen in any soul in anywhere in the universe, and, and i don 't mind if there 's aliens and all that other stuff that'd be kind of cool uh, i mean we 've been watching movies about it. It should happen, but you know if life is going to happen someplace anywhere it 's not going to happen on a comet, but isn 't it funny that at the night sky, nothing lights it up more than the, than a meteor shower or this one singularity just moving through the sky and it 's burning but that singularity does not have the potential of producing life. Only solar systems do. Solar systems represent the, uh, the, the view of we working together. Gravity and forces holding in each other into orbit as they, they, they revolve around a common thing that they, they have. And solar systems have the power of we. Comets don't have that power. But isn't it interesting that our culture exalts the comet life? I mean, whether the comets rise or the comets fall, you can go on to CNN and you could see some great rise of a comet, and then you could watch the plummeting disaster of a comet. And we're all about exalting the, the, the comets of life. If we look in nature, we look at life in the sea, we look at life in the sky or on land, we are always reminded, now more than ever, of the delicate balance of a proper interaction of what? Of wheeze. How the, how the, 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 honey, the bumblebee and, and how uh, birds and, and how insects um, all interact. I mean, we have destroyed almost 80% of all bug life on the planet. Interestingly enough, if that bug life diminishes any more, then we'll start start losing bird populations. If we start losing bird populations, this cascading, this uh, trophic cascade will occur, and then the whole thing falls apart. But it's because of the power of we, and we interacting with each other, even in a biological sense. And the reason why I point these things out is because I know some of you are skeptics. And I know some of you are like me. Yeah, I believe in the Bible, but it's a little bit of science would help me on this. Well, the, the science is in. The power of we is the only way life happens on planet Earth or in any solar system. So God is embedded in it, in the universe, that doing life as we's is how life happens and flourishes anywhere. The greatest potential of that we have as a me is discovering the power of we. This is a great time of year, isn't it? Oh, my, my, my. It's back. You're gonna be ob- I'm going to be obnoxious all over again. I- it's NFL and college football time again. Can't wait. I mean, it's crazy. I'm watching preseason games. I'm- you know, it's just incredible. Um, but-, but when we look at sports dynasties, and the ones that endure, you, some of you are like, I know where this is going. Okay, but when we look at sports dynasties throughout, um, they involve the we. There may be a Jordan, but, but there was a we. I mean, you had to have Scottie Pippen. You had to have everybody involved in order for the Bulls to be as great as they were all the time, yes, there was a Jordan, but there had to be a we that made it all happen. There may be a miracle on ice, but wasn't that a we moment? I mean, when didn't we, who were in the Cold War era at the time, when we beat the professional Russian ice skaters with a bunch of amateur uh, skaters for the US and we won the Olympic medal gold medal in that one incredible game I mean doesn't that flag look amazing it was the the power of me's working together producing a victory for the Wii and and, and it was just amazing and then there's a Brady but you know we think about all the Super Bowls we think about all the the dynasties and all the wonderful things but don't, don't begin to think that it, it's just because this guy may be the greatest quarterback of all time. It's because, literally, there is an offensive coordinator, there's a coach, and there are men on that team that do their job. It is the power of we. So I, the idea is to, to just kind of get into you. You've been trained You've listened to music. You've watched shows about the me. Our culture has manifested and manufactured a me mentality. Becoming the best version of you is your highest order of achievement in the world. But yet God wants us to discover the power of being a me is fully realized in the power of we doing life together. Jesus always believed in the we. We. His life, his sacrifice, were not just for the savings of me's, but for creating a kingdom of we's that would shine in the world. Listen to what he said to his disciples in John 13, 31. He says, a new commandment I give you. It's like, I'm going to break you out of your singularity thinking. He says, I want to break you out of just thinking right and wrong. I want to break you out of thinking Jewish or non-Jewish. He so said, I want to change the way that you think about things. He says, a new commandment, a new way of doing things I give you. So I'm presenting yourself something, and I need you to be ready to present your body of thinking to a new idea. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love One another. Just as I have loved you, you also were to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you love the love that you have for one another. He says, by this is how they're going to know. This is how life is going to spring forth in your solar system, is how we do life and relationships together. Again, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a family, whether it's a dating relationship, whether it's at work, whether it's a church, this is is big, this is a big idea. This is DNA. This is amino acid level, this is proteins. These are the things that change a culture. These are the things that change individuals and change how relationships work. The declaration of our faith is not just a list of doctrines any longer. You know, what do you guys believe about this? And what do you think about Noah's Ark? What do you believe on evolution? What do you believe on gay marriage? What do you believe on this? And, and, and we've been kind of like whittled into a that our, all that our Christianity is good for is a statement of what we believe or we don't believe. And Jesus says, no, I, I want to break you out of that kind of singularity way of thinking. I want you to see your faith as, as more of as the power of we through the power of love. Those things do have answers. But I want what, what's going to actually cause life to spring forth will not be those answers. It will be how you do life together. That's how it will spring forth. You know, I hear story after story. And recently we just heard of another uh, pastor, another minister that, you know, was kind of famous that has walked away from the Christian faith, and, um, and uh, when I hear the reasons that they walk away from the Christian faith, it's not because of an honest pursuit uh, into maybe some pseudo-challenge that science has against Christianity. It's not that they, they did the biological work and the, you know, the, the works of physics and said, wow, there, we got a contradiction with what we believe in. It's like, I'm having a hard time. Rec-. No, because there isn't any. I mean, there isn't any contradiction there. But I hear people constantly leaving the church because of, not because of that or, or not because of an unanswered prayer, something that they prayed for and God didn't give it to them. But I think most people leave the church because of a lack of finding an uncommon love among people who were called to live in common. You know, that people come to a church and they find out that we can be pretty nasty, that we gossip, that we're, that we're judgmental. And, and, and so I think when people come to a church, there are, they are expecting that there should be something uncommon about this. Not just the songs that they sing that they don't use the F word or, you know, they sing about Jesus instead of singing about, you know, uh, romantic love and and that's the only thing. I think people really expect when they come into a church, when we talk about a Jesus dying on the cross, rising from the dead, that should produce something kind of different in a human being. And so that's what God is calling us to. And he wants an uncommon love among people who are called to live in common. He wants our marriages to be different. They should be. He wants our, our relationships with each other, our communities, our influences. They want, he wants them to be something uncommon. John, who is a really close follower of Jesus, he wrote down about the power of manifesting God to people through living in we, how we do life together. And he said this in 1 John 4, 11. He said, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. Now, that's really interesting that he drops that phrase right in the middle of this verse about love. But he says, if God's loved us, we really should be uncommon. And that we should love one another. But then he throws in, no one has ever seen God. And then he goes back to this love thing again. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. But in the middle of all this is this concept of seeing God. I think John is maybe communicating the need for so many of us and so many of the people around us to have empirical data for the existence of God. I would like more empirical data. I mean, I, it, it would be cool if birds all of a sudden formed an I love you sign up in the middle of the sky, and, and that I'd be like, okay, that looks like empirical data. It would it would be great if we found a giant fingerprint on Mars that you know we could do, you know, trace it back and and you know bring it to the police, and all of a sudden God's picture comes up on the screen. It's like, yeah, God, he actually is alive. And, and I think John was like, hey, listen, everybody wants to see God. Everybody wants empirical evidence for God. But let me just be clear. No science has produced a deeper need for empirical evidence. It's not like, well, okay, well, we've just figured out this, so we're really going to need more proof. No science has done that. There is no new suffering that has produced a bigger challenge to the reality of God. And seeing God rightly has always been the challenge. Isn't it? I mean, we're Christians, we can admit it. Seeing God move, seeing God in our lives, seeing God in the universe, is, it's like that is the big thing that we want. And it's always been a challenge to kind of see God in our lives. But what John says, he says, if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. He's saying that an uncommon love among people produces a manifestation of the reality of God. He's like, this is the way God gets seen. It's not through a telescope, though the telescope will reveal a designer, it's not through a microscope, but yet it would reveal a creator. But he said, but... When it comes to the issue of showing God and seeing God, he said the way that it happens is when people who are called to live in common live uncommonly in love with each other, he said then God abides in that. He empowers that love and the love of God is perfected in us. Meaning there's a, there's a clarity like a telescope that is, you're turning the knob here and the knob here and you're looking through and you dial it in and all of a sudden you can see that star with clarity. He says when people love each other in an uncommon, common way as a husband and wife it's like oh man you can see god in that when when we feed the hurting and the lost then all of a sudden you can see god in that when we visit the people at the McDonald um, Ronald McDonald house and we it's like all of a sudden god can be seen in that when we forgive our fathers who have wounded us in our past all of a sudden, we can see God in that. And John's saying if we want to provide empirical evidence for the existence of God to the unbeliever, then we need to start living uncommon, in common, together, as we. And regardless of the objections that you may have to God's methodology, because as 21st century enlightened people, we have our own lipness test that so we've decided, no, if God really exists, that I want him to show me this way. I mean, how many people have stood on the end of a dock and said, God, if you're really out there, strike me with a lightning bolt or make that thing blow up over there. I mean, every one of us at some time, I mean, I've had a fishing rod in my hand a million times. I'm like, God, if you really love me, if you really love me, that you, you know, just let me catch one fish and, and it will be a sign that you love me. And, 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 and regardless of the objections of all the fish that we haven't caught to prove the existence of God, God has chosen the way that he would reveal himself. And don't you have that prerogative? Don't you enjoy the prerogative of revealing yourself the way that you want to be revealed? Don't you hate being dragged out in the middle of a party and all of a sudden somebody says, Did you know that Susie used to smoke marijuana but doesn't smoke it anymore? I mean, how would you feel being dragged out in the middle of something like that and and you're forced to be revealed? But God has a way that he wants to reveal himself. And and since we're told in Scripture that God is love, we should not be surprised that the way that he wants to empirically reveal himself is through the manifestation of we, people loving each other. He's like, no. He's like, you can make all these rules about where I should appear, but since I am love, simply, Since I am not materialism, since I am not stuff, since I am not earth, I am not moon, I am not Mars, I am not chlorophyll, because I'm not that and because I am love, I will manifest myself in love. And that's the way that God shows himself. And his presence becomes seeing. Even a church of perfect me's will never manifest the presence of God. And that's what we're doing in America today. We are making church that will help you be the better, best me you can possibly be. I'll admit it, I have succumbed to it a couple times myself. But I'll tell you a church that is a gathering of people trying to become the best me possible will never manifest the presence and the power of God, because that's not what God's after a church that is only designed to help you become happy with you will never see the presence of God. Living in common and uncommon does not devalue the fact that we as me's have dignity individually, that we are created in the image of God, that God so loved us together and individually that he died on the cross. This does not devalue the importance of my me relationship with my heavenly father. It does not deflect the needs that I have as a me from the love of God or the salvation of God. But our next step as redeemed me's is to be empowered we's. That's what mom and dad need to be. We don't need a dad being me and a mom being me and then hoping that Junior will become the best me possible. What we need is mom and dad and Junior being we together with the love of God and that God begins to bring about his good and perfect will into their lives and the goodness we see great things happen in their lives. Living in common will require an uncommon approach Relationships. We will have to make the shift from selfish to selfless, resentful to restored, envious to joyous, fake to faithful, unforgiving to unconditional. We'll need to say goodbye to the common and live in common. With uncommon love. I mean, everybody hates their dad. That's so common. Everybody can't stand their in-law. That's so common. Men and women fight. Give me something new. You know, kids that are raising up are going to do what kids are going to do. It's not uncommon. It's so common. Politicians are going to lie. Political parties are going to compromise. It's always going to happen. That is so common. So why are we relying on the common to give us something uncommon? This series will be about that power of relationships, the the power of community, the power of an uncommon love. You know, in this this week in my office, a little bird came to my window. I'm a bird guy. And this, this little fella uh, came up and he, he kept pecking away at the glass. And you probably have this happen at your house. They, they do it with cars. They do it with buildings. They do it at home. But the glass is self-reflecting. And he gets caught up in this self-reflecting image that he sees of himself and he keeps on uh, frantically pecking away at it. What I think the bird wants is that he wants relationship, that he thinks there's another bird there. But the bird gets caught up in a cycle of self-image. He's constantly seeing himself and mistaking that for real community. So he keeps pecking away at a self-image idea, thinking that it's going to produce a we result. We live in a culture right now that wants you just to peck away at you. To focus on being the best version of you and to stand in the mirror every single day and peck, 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 peck. You need to lose weight. You need to pull up your eyes. You need, to, you need to drive a better car. You need to make more money. Peck, 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 peck. And then as a result of it, then we'll have a great marriage. Pecking away at a self-image in a mirror will never produce a greater we. And we're just like that little bird, pecking away, thinking we're gonna find some sort of satisfaction, but we will be constantly, relentlessly disappointed. Life requires transcendence. Life that goes beyond me and encounters God and that creates the power of we. Life requires transformation. It goes beyond me thinking about me all the time and about how others think about me. It requires something different. God wants our relationships to experience a refreshing. Every one of them. I mean, I'm, I'm just jacked about this. Uh, he, wants, he wants school teachers to be able to go to school excited about the potential of changing the world with the power of love. We won't have to go into schools and say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We will just manifest love to them. And they will see God through our love. And then they will ask us, how did you become so uncommon as you live in common? God wants every relationship with your kids, with your, with your parents, with your next-door neighbor. He wants to refresh, refresh our relationships. God wants to give all of us, no matter how old we are, regardless of how old we are, he wants to give us a start over. And I love it. I love the fact that God today is offering every one of us a start over. That not just doing time in marriage or at work, or at church, or at home. But God wants to do something inside every one of us. But as we move into this moment of expressions, all this is good ideas. I mean, all this, I, I don't think every, any one of you, I, I think I, I can actually, when, I can see when things hit people. And when I did the solar system comet thing, some of you kind of hardcore skeptics, you're like, dang right, that, that's right. He's got data to support that. We start looking at the ecosystem. We look at the, the, uh, the barrier reef system and all that. I think every one of us say, darn right, you're exactly right. And then when we begin to look about the uncommon that we find in dynasties, I think you, I think you, you understand it's not just a Jordan or a Brady or a, or a hockey team. It's the power of we then when we reacquaint ourselves with the words of Jesus about the way that we see God is by living as me's in we relationships that are uncommon that are, we don't we're not a group of people that just hate our dads for the rest of our lives that's too common we're not just women who hate men that's too common we're not just men who who are chauvinist that is too common we're not just whites who just relate the way that we are because we're white. That's too common. God is calling us into something different. He wants us to have that good and perfect will of him in our lives. He wants us to taste and to see that the Lord is good. So we're in a moment where either we walk out of here and this was all good rhetoric or if we present ourselves today to God the body of our works and say God yeah I thought I knew what it was to be a father I thought I knew it was to be a boss I thought I knew what it was to be a man and God I'm presenting it to you today and over this series I'm gonna to present to you to change my mind so that something uncommon can happen in my life and in all my relationships whether it's as a mom a dad man or woman white or black I think God's calling all of us to something uncommon He's calling us to experience the power of we through an uncommon thing being done in each of us as me's so today as you receive communion as you give offering as you have a time of prayer as you as you pin your requests to the cross or pray with one of our ministers let this be a time of presenting you to god father as we enter into this moment we are excited Because, Lord God, never before have I seen the ability that the world can change. And, Lord God, we will not go any longer with the common way of thinking that it will come from the White House or that it will come from Capitol Hill. But, God, the change can happen in our culture right here, right now, with us choosing to live uncommonly. In common with the love of God. So, Father, as I present myself, we present our our me's to you. Not to just be the best version of me, but so that the power of we will flow through us in every relationship. And as we take this bread and we dip it into the cup, we realize that the second person of the we God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the second person gave his life so that we could experience the power that is even found in God in relationship. Today, we express by presenting ourselves to you. In Jesus' name.